Welcome to Packed with Pearson, a podcast bringing you insights and thought leadership in vertically integrated packaging solutions across a wide range of industries. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Packed with Pearson, a podcast exploring thought leadership in vertically integrated packaging solutions. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the show. Now, today we're discussing off-the-shelf solutions. Is there even such a thing? We're going to dive into all of those sorts of things and get into Pearson's process, and we're going to do that with our two subject matter experts. First, we're talking to Stuart Cooper. He's the Chief Revenue Officer for Pearson Packaging Systems. Stuart, thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And joining us once again on the podcast is Michael Sensky. He is the chairman and CEO at Pearson Packaging Systems. Michael, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Michael, when it comes to case packing, uh, you say there's no such thing as an off-the-shelf solution. Why is that? What what makes you say that? Well, I, you know, I, I think every customer's product is is slightly different. Um, you, you know, and and as a result, there's always a certain amount of engineering. Uh, or tailoring that goes into, uh, you know, being able to handle a customer's product and safely pack it into a case or tray. And that being said, um, there's a tremendous amount of homogeneity between all of our solutions. Um, you know, the theory of operation that we use. So if a, if a customer, for example, has a, a flat bag, like an IV bag, or if they have a flat bag that's filled with tomato sauce, um, the theory of operation of that piece of equipment is probably you know ninety percent similar between those two different applications, but there just might be a little bit of tweaking, a little bit of engineering, a, a little bit of tailoring that goes in to uh, adapting that tried and true technology so that it works with a slightly different product. So, um, in, in some sense, there you know the, the the actual approach to case packing is in fact off the shelf, but but you know typically you're not releasing the exact same machine for different solutions. Again, you're using the same theory of operation and making minor adjustments to really optimize it to work in that particular uh, customer's application. Yeah, and just to support that um, from a you know a design concept, when Michael referred to two bags there, we're going to use the same methodology to pick it up. It's going to be vacuum on the bags that Michael described. But you know, where is the cup placement? Do you use cups? Do you use a plenum? Do you need a blower? Do you just need the Venturi air supply? All of that comes into play, but is there too much difference there? No, that's back to that tweaking of the concept to handle the product. So I, I think that just you know bakes out that idea that 90% of what we do is the same. You just make these minor tweaks, deviations to actually accommodate the product. You don't try and fit the product to the machine. You fit the principles to the product. That's a really interesting point. And I think that that would also dispel the myth then that, that all of these solutions would be quote unquote custom, right, Stuart? So there, there's a thought that case packers are very custom, uh, but that seems to not really be in step with what you just described. No, exactly. They are not custom. They're using principles that are tried and tested uh, many, many times. We've been doing this for 65 years. As I said to you earlier, you know, the we do things quicker and smaller than we did years ago, but we haven't changed those principles. You're still using the same principles to move things around. You're using different technologies as technologies have advanced. You know, we've come into utilizing robots. We've come into utilizing higher speed processes and so on and so forth. But we haven't come away from the basic principles of physics, if you will, for handling things, for moving things around. We organize them slightly differently, potentially, for each product we handle. 
we're still using those same principles throughout. Yeah, I, I would really agree with that. I, I, I think that, you know, I think there's a perception, um, you know, that the case packing is purely custom. And I think when you look at, at, at the OEMs who, who have a, a robust case packing history and a, and a line of products, you know, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of, of similarity, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, in, in how we solve certain problems. We use certain approaches. Uh, for example, we talked about earlier how to how to pack flat bags. Well, that's a, a different approach. Maybe if it's a semi-rigid carton that's being packed into a case, uh, or if it's a uh, you know a pharmaceutical or nutraceutical bottle that's going into a case or a carton, we're we're looking at the the specific properties of the product that we're being able uh, that we're being asked to handle and to pack into a, a carton, into a case, or into a tray, and we're really relying on those years of experience to to you know. Uh, you know, to choose and apply the appropriate technology that, again, is tried and true, that we've, we've implemented literally dozens, if not hundreds of times in the past. So, Michael, walk me through that process then of gathering that information to make sure that the, uh, that the options that you're choosing um, match up with the product that, uh, that, that you're going to be packaging, right? So talk me through that process of gathering that information and making those, uh, those choices that are going to work the absolute best. Well, I, I mean, I think the first thing is our application engineering group, you know, looks at, at the application. They look at the type of product, they look at the container that it's being packed into, and they look at the speed that it's being, that, that we need to be able to achieve to meet our customers, uh, you know, objectives. I think they factor those three things in, and then they really can draw from the, you know, kind of from the vast, you know, history of successful applications that we've had in case packing. And they can start applying the appropriate technology, you know, to that. And so really it starts with our applications engineers just relying on that experience, relying on the body of work in, in terms of case packing that we've done over the last 65 years and apply and just matching the technology up, uh, you know, with it. And, and a lot of that's just experiential in nature. It, it really comes down to the fact that we've handled so many different types of products over the year, that, over the years that we just have a good feel for what's going to be the best solution for that. Again, for that, you know, that particular customer's product, the container that it's being packed into and, and really the speed at which we're being asked to do it, that really dictates uh, what technology we choose and what approach we choose to case pack. And Michael got it 100% right there. The, those variables, the, the speed, uh, the weight, uh, and the style that we're packing into, really those are the only things we have to consider when we're, doing, when we're pulling the application together. And, and the speed could mean, well, I need two of these instead of one, or I need three of these instead of two. And again, that's back to you know the simple, simple statement we made earlier. It's physics. It's applying the knowledge that you have and just saying, okay, this is the parameter. I need to work within this parameter. And how do I achieve it with the mechanics that I have at hand? So it is a building block process, Tyler, very much a building block process off of the variables that the customer presents us. And they are commonly speed shape, size, and, you know, the count in the box, as, as Michael's uh, pointed out. And, you know, Stuart, one of the other things I wanted to hone in on that, that Michael pointed out was just um, that, that element of experience and how valuable that is in an industry like this and with solutions like this, uh, just finding um, and, and knowing exactly kind of what solution is going to work best. Um, how valuable is that experience angle? And I, I suppose there's really no substitute for it. Uh, I'd 100% agree. Um, it's not something you you learn at school, if you will. It's something that comes with 
you know, maybe the school of hard knocks. You've tried it. Uh, you tried in your R&D labs. You prove it out uh, until you hone that principle down to your comfort with that. And then you move that principle through everything you do. You keep that that experience level going. I mean, we ingrain our engineers uh, in, in certain fashions in terms of how to do this. There's rates you can move things at. There's, there's speeds we want to move things at. There's distances we're happy to move through. They pull all of that together. Uh, and, and it's arranging, and I'll use my favorite phrase here, it's arranging the furniture to actually make the application that functional for the customer at the end of the day. It's adding the right pieces at the right time to make this functional. And experience, you, you, can't, you can't deny the, uh, uh, the, the impact it has. But also the tools that we have to our disposal now eliminate uh, a lot of the guesswork that took place 65 years ago when, when all of this started. We can actually prove all this off now very simply. There's a lot of tools to help us do that. And that takes that, that risk element out of it. It brings it back to you know, being able to deliver to the customer's exact needs at the time. Yeah, and I think I, I and I, I think one thing just to add to this, and I you know don't know if it's the appropriate time, but but kind of when when I hear Stuart talking about that, you know I I, I don't mean and and we don't mean to suggest that that the technology that we're applying to this is static. You know, I, I think what we're really trying to communicate is, is, is we've, we, we, you know, we've, we've been there, we've done that, we've seen a lot of different applications, so we can draw upon that experience. At the same time, we do have customers, you know, that that have uh, unique, uh, you know, kind of as as time goes on, we have customers that come to us, you know, with 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 pretty unique requests that they're trying to automate processes, for example, in case packing that might not previously have been automated because technology didn't exist. That, that made it um, realistic to automate at that point in time. And I, you know, an example of that would be like, you know, AI driven vision, you know, systems. Those are now coming onto the market and are being applied uh, and, and are allowing us to do things that, that really previously would have been much more difficult to do. And so now, you know, in our R&D department, we're ha- in our engineering departments, we're working with, with AI, you know, you know, driven vision companies that are supplying that technology that we can integrate with, you know, into our solutions and that are opening up, uh, you know, a new world of doing things. And, and, and we're experimenting with that well ahead of time, well before we actually have customer requests. And then, and then we're really trying to find those, those, those appropriate opportunities to deploy that technology. And then again, you build that level of experience. So, so, you know, and, and, and five years from now, you know, there'll be dozens of those applications that are out there that use that AI driven vision and, and it's going to be kind of old hat. And so, you know, at the same time that we're, we're, we're relying on and leveraging existing experience, we are breaking new ground, but, you know, a year or two or three years down the road, that new ground is going to seem like old hat and we'll be applying some new technology that opens up an entire universe of possibilities that, that previously didn't exist. So, you know, it's, it, you know, there, there's, you, you, you know, you need to keep that in mind as well. Well, and I think, I think another thing too, uh, that, that's important to add to, to, to what you said, Michael, was Simply some of the connotations that come along with the word custom, um, sometimes custom uh, to a lot of people is going to mean it's never been done before. This is the first time we're, we're trying something. And again, to your point, that's just that's simply not true. You're, you're testing things all the time and, and you have robust R&D department that is constantly working on things like this. Right. So people hear custom and they think never been done and it's going to be expensive because it's built to custom specifications. But neither of those things are, are true in this case. Yeah, I, you know, I, I would agree with that. I mean, there's very few. I mean, I, you know, every customer's product 
is slightly different. You know, even, you know, you know, one semi-rigid carton, you know, that needs to be packed into a case, uh, let's say for the bakery industry, you know, compared to another, uh, you know, company's semi-rigid part, you know, carton, you know, in the, in the bakery industry, you know, they could have cutouts that are a little bit different. You know, the thickness of, of the material could be slightly different. You know, there are different, the, the slickness of the material could be different between the applications. But at the end of the day, the way we look at that is it's still, a carton being packed into a corrugated case. And, and so we're able, the theory of operation of that equipment really doesn't change at all between those two applications. Now, a few things do need to be, as I mentioned, engineered, tweaked, tailored to take into consideration the unique nature of, you know, of, of each of those products, you know, for those two different customers. But I would say 95% of the application is the same. It's you're, you're maybe making a couple of slight changes to vacuum cup placement on the end of arm tool. Uh, maybe you're using a different kind of vacuum cup because of, of the, the texture, uh, you know, the coefficient of friction that's on the, the, the customer's particular cart and things like that. So, so you're making those changes, but at the end of the day, the way we're collating that product, the way the pat product, the way we're approaching things, the programming, you know, the code that controls that, that's all very standardized and, and, and tried and true and, and has really been battle tested in the field for, for years and years and years. So there isn't nearly as much customization. I would, you know, as, as people think, I, I, we really refer to it as there's, you know, there's a little bit of engineering and a little bit of tailoring to that customer's product. But but that's 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 really the extent of it, you know, uh, for, for the most part. I'll just add to that and put, you know, some context there, a, a carton that's dry and a carton that's frozen. To us, they're the same. They're a carton. They're going into a box. It's just that slight difference between how you handle the, the dry product and how you handle the frozen product. And again, that comes down to, to, to what we've discussed in terms of experience and knowledge and just tweaking or adjusting the computer suit. Again, we're not going back to anything more than we've never done before in these instances. We're just applying that knowledge. And I think part of that is understanding your own core competency as an OEM. There are a lot of applications that we don't have experience with, uh, you know, and, and that we don't necessarily pursue. And, and we're very upfront with customers when it comes to that. You know, we really think we have a very good understanding of what we're good at, what we're not good at. We can point to that, you know, over the years and years of providing these types of solutions. And, and we really have focused, uh, you know, kind of our case packing product line on, on what we, you know, really deem to be our core competencies and, and certain types of products, certain types of applications um, and, and, and aren't trying to reinvent the wheel. We're not trying to be everything to everybody all the time and quoting every project. There are some projects that come to us that we we're at a technological, for example, not necessarily a technological disadvantage, but we don't have those years and years of experience. We have no problem actually telling a customer that, that, Hey, we'd be reinventing the wheel here. We'd be breaking new ground for us. You'd really be better served by working with this other OEM that this is their specialty. This is their core competency. So I really think that's an important part of this as well as really recognizing what we're good at or recognizing what we want to be good at and then investing the time and the effort to achieve that competency rather than, than just trying to be everything to everybody all the time. 
I think that's a really good point and and uh, allows people, I guess, that, that information up front, which I think is uh, is extremely important. Um, and one of the other things I wanted to talk about with you guys was, uh, was lead times for a, a solution. Once you've obtained the information, like what we talked about, and you understand the product and, um, you know, and the, the speed that you're looking at achieving and things along those lines, what's the lead time after that um, to, uh, to have a product that's, that's ready to be used? Well, typically, uh, you know, it's, it's always a little bit different and it, it depends on the scope of, of work, but, but pretty typically for us, case packing applications, they tend to be a little bit longer because there is a little bit more complexity to them than, than for example, just simple case erecting, you know, standalone case erecting, standalone ceiling, you know, applications, things like that. But typically you're in that 90 to 120 day period. Um, You know, but a lot of things go into that, you know, the customer might have, uh, you know, a very significant, you know, kind of QA and FAT process that that makes that a little bit longer, or or perhaps, um, you know, we we ran into a a situation just recently where the customer wanted us, we designed a, a case packing solution. Uh, built multiple case packers for a customer, and it had you know in excess of 120 different SKUs that we had to run, and they had a very exacting FAT and QA process that they wanted us to follow. And frankly, our own internal processes, you know, really really dictated that as well to ensure that the installation and the commissioning of that those case packers went well. And so that tended to be a little bit longer. You're probably in that 120 to 150 day period, but but typically we're in that 90 to 120 day period, even on complex case packing. Uh, And there are instances where we're actually, you know, doing something as a repeat for a customer where it's significantly less than that. So it it really depends. And a lot of those, a lot of those lead times, by the way, I would just say are not even dictated really by us as the OEM, but the ability to provide us samples from the customer, the ability to provide us the appropriate technical information, maybe changes and change orders that come through as those companies decide they want additional functionality that was maybe outside the additional scope of the project. So so it's really kind of a mixed, you know, it, it can be a mixed bag, but I would say you're in that on average, probably 90 to 120 days for a complex case packer with some being less and a few being a little bit more just based on technical complexity. Yeah, that's what we commonly experience. And again, you know, to the point Michael made, it's it's getting all that information from the customer and, and really nailing it down because there are drifts. You know, as he said, there someone will want something added or has forgotten something or the speed of one product is a little bit greater than the other and we have to make those those adjustments. But again, that's the beauty of what we do as an organization. By using these principles, we can make those adjustments. We can accommodate those requirements from the customer and still get very, very close to the original lead times. Um, again, by applying our knowledge and using everything we've talked about in this podcast so far, we can really be fast and, and fleet afoot to serve the customer. And again, I think that goes back to the your start point. Is there such a thing as an off-the-shelf case packer? There very much can be along the lines we've discussed when the information is ready available, the flow is there, everything gels, you get to that endpoint very quickly. And I think choosing the right type of technology, I mean, you know, Stuart, you know, adding on to what you're saying, that's one of the reasons why, you know, for, for a lot of years, we built, you know, uh, gantry style case packers, more traditional hard automation, you know, XZ uh, axis, you know, gantry case packers. Now everything we do is robotic in nature that uses, you know, articulated arm robots, 
uh, you know, things like that. And the reason for that is, is the tremendous amount of flexibility, uh, you know, that, that allows us to accommodate customer changes. You know, a lot of our customers, their marketing departments are continually working you know, trying to refine their products to be, to make them more palatable, more desirable to customers. And as a result, there's, there, you know, a lot of the projects that, that we have, you know, if there's one thing that characterizes them is, you know, they're, they're in a constant state of change and flux, um, you know, so that, you know, that our end customers are trying to do whatever they can to better serve the marketplace. And just even choosing the technology that we're deciding to apply, you know, robots are redeployable, they're incredibly flexible, they're incredibly reliable. We're able to adjust to the changes that customers want to make in pack patterns, in in speeds, um, you know, in all sorts of different things, uh, even in packaging or, or product styles. Uh, you know, with with a little bit of reengineering, uh, maybe a different end of arm tool, a little bit of reprogramming, and 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 we can accommodate that. And so, I think the way we approach it is is that we're even selecting technology up front that allows us. Uh, to use, you know, the same approaches over and over, but gives us a fair amount of flexibility so that we can tailor it to their exact specifications. And frankly, they they, they, they can even, you know, accomplish needs in the future that they don't even know that they have now. So that if their marketing departments change the product again, the, the, the flexible approach we're taking to solve those problems, um, you know, can pay huge dividends, you know, in the future, one, two, three, four years after this product's installed, because it can be modified to handle kind of the, the customers changing products. Yeah, and I'll add to that if I can. You referred earlier to uh, you know, a case back we've, we did recently. I think we said about 140 SKUs. I was involved in the initial sale of that system. That did not stop with 140 SKUs. And a lot of that was added post-sale. Uh, and again, we managed to, with the technology and the flexibility, accommodate that pretty much on the fly. You know, we were dealing with the requests on a, a daily, maybe a weekly basis. Oh, we've got another product we need to run. We have another product we need to run. And it was, okay, the, the, the system is here. We can do that. We can do that. We can do that. And without using these principles and, and what Michael's talked about in terms of, you know, just being able to tweak certain things, we wouldn't get there. So, you know, again, it's that flexibility that is inherent to the design is the is in my mind the foundation to Pearson's success is being able to offer that flexibility. That really does help us support the customer base as well as any other OEM out there at this moment in time. Well, Stuart, Michael, this has been a fascinating conversation. I feel like it's been extremely informative just on the way that Pearson operates and how you're able to, to meet the needs of your customers. I want to turn it over to you guys. If there's anything that we haven't mentioned yet here on the podcast or any conclusions or uh, summary statements you'd like to make before we wrap this episode up today. Well, I, you know, I, I would just say, you know, that I, I think it's an exciting time to be involved in this space from my perspective, you know, in, in providing case packing, mm -hmm. you know, carton packing, uh, you know, tray packing solutions, um, you know, robotic technology, AI driven vision, you know, those things like that. They're making things that, that previously were very difficult to automate. They're actually making it possible to automate them. So I think over the next few years, you're going to see, especially as it relates to um, providing uh, case packing uh, applications for the online commerce industry, things like that. Again, the, the advent of AI-driven vision is going to allow us to do things that we could only really dream about maybe a decade ago or five years ago or even two or three years ago. 
So there's some really exciting things here and incorporating that new technology is, is I think going to open up a tremendous amount of opportunity for our customers to look at, 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 at products that they thought or, or processes that they thought couldn't be automated. Uh, and, and, and really, it's a great time for them to revisit looking at some of those difficult applications to see if, if technology is really caught up to allow it uh, you know, to be automated. So I, I'm really looking forward to that. Indeed. Uh, again, we started with, you know, I've been around a long time in this industry, and I think this is an exciting phase for, for the manufacturing base to be able to do what they haven't been able to do in the past. And, you know, the AI and other things that we've talked about will certainly get them there. And, and, and it, it is an exciting space to be in. And, and I think it's one that everyone's embracing now. You know, we're not just replacing people with when we're putting machines in. We're actually enhancing people's lives. We're giving them a better a better quality. Uh, and I think that, you know, should be shared with, with what we're trying to do as an organization. You know, we're here to, to try and further for a better cause, if you will, that we automate things that, that really uh, uh, need to be automated. And, and we're seeing our customers take that up. And we have the, the principles to do it now, which is great. Uh, and I think it will, as Michael said, it will just get more and more exciting as it goes on, as technology develops and we can deploy it in different ways. I think that's a fantastic summary, and I, lo- I loved what you said there, Stuart, about enhancing people's lives. I think that's a that's a really excellent point and a good place for us to uh, to wrap up this podcast today. So, everyone, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Packed with Pearson, and thank you so much to my guests, Stuart Cooper and Michael Sensky, for joining me here on the show today. Stuart and Michael, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for joining us for this episode of the show. We appreciate it very much. Of course, if you missed our previous episode, uh, the one where I talked to Michael, uh, make sure to go back and check out that podcast as well. And while you're there, subscribe to stay up to date with the latest from Pearson. That way uh, you can get uh, all of the insights and all of the thought leadership from the folks at Pearson right there on your your mobile device. Whatever you choose to listen on, uh, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And of course, we'll be back soon with more episodes of the show. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.